You're listening to the Informal Bible Study, a casual and applicational look at the Scriptures. I'm John Stonge, and it's great to have you with us today. In just a few moments, we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 through 11, and we'll be talking about living an other-centered life in a self-centered world. But just a couple quick things before we get to that. First of all, we want to invite you to stop by our website, which is desirejesus.com. Right now at desirejesus.com, we have my latest 30-day devotional, Desire Jesus, Volume 9, available for free download, and we'd invite you to stop by the website and grab a copy of that. I believe it will only be up for the remainder of this week, and then it's going to be taken away. So if you want a free copy, stop by the website soon after you hear this message, because I can't guarantee that it's going to be there much longer, and we want to get that into as many hands as we possibly can. Also, when you're on the website, you'll notice a few different things. You'll also see this in the episode description, uh, the fact that if you want to become a supporter of this podcast ministry, you can make a small contribution to help us underwrite the cost of our hosting and our production. So you'll see crowdfunding links in the episode description. You'll also see some links to that on our website, desirejesus.com. And we'd love to have you stop there. Thank you to those of you who do help us already with underwriting the cost of our hosting and our production. But if anyone else wants to chip in, even if you just want to chip in just $1, we're grateful for any gift that helps us underwrite the costs associated with producing these episodes. Now, as I mentioned just a few moments ago, today we're looking at 1 Peter chapter 4, starting with verse 7, and we're going to go down to verse 11, so it's not a long portion of Scripture, but it's a portion of Scripture that speaks about living an others-centered life in a self-centered world. So let me read for us from 1 Peter 4, starting with verse 7. This is what it states. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege of being able to look at this portion of Scripture together today. So, Lord, we pray that as we study these concepts, as we look at the things that you communicated by the power of your Holy Spirit through the Apostle Peter to the church, Lord, we pray that these would be things that we would understand. We pray that these would be things that we would grow from, and that by your grace that these would be things that we apply to our day-to-day lives. So we thank you, Lord, for the privilege to be able to study your word together today, and we commit this time to you. In Jesus' name, amen. The other day, out of the blue, I received a brief note of encouragement from someone who used to attend the church that I pastor, but then moved away. And when I read it, I really appreciated it, and so I made sure to tell her that. I also told her that, in my opinion, she seems to be 
one of those unique people that has a gift for encouraging others. In fact, after mentioning that, she confirmed that encouraging others is something she takes great delight in doing. Isn't it nice to have a few people like that in your life? Why do their actions tend to stand out as special to us? I think one of the reasons they stand out to us is because they're so different from what we experience in many other areas of life. In many contexts, we're forced to deal with people who care more about themselves than they care about others. Driving can be one area where this becomes very apparent. Uh, I'm in the process right now, my wife and I are in the process of helping our daughter, who is a new driver, practice the skill of driving. And recently I told our daughter that the way people drive tends to be an extension of their personality. So gracious drivers tend to be gracious people. Aggressive and dangerous drivers tend to be selfish people that can't even be bothered to think about the safety of others when they're on the road. Well, Jesus, our Lord, isn't selfish. And his desire for the body of Christ is that we reflect his heart in the ways in which we interact with and treat each other. He invites us to look after each other's needs. He invites us to make sacrifices for the benefit of those we care about. His word teaches us what it looks like to live an others-centered life in the midst of a self-centered world. Take a look at some of the principles the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Peter to share about this subject with the church as we look at 1 Peter 4, starting with verse 7. And one of the things that we see in this particular portion of Scripture is that we're encouraged not to be out-of-control people, but rather to allow the Holy Spirit to control our temperament. Look at the way it phrases it in verse 7. It says it this way, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Becoming a follower of Christ not only impacts how you will spend your eternity, it also impacts the way you live in the present. The moment you trusted in Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwelled you. He lives within you. The Holy Spirit gives us counsel. He grants us understanding of the will of God. He clarifies the scriptures for us, and he bears out the fruit of righteousness in our lives. His presence helps us not to rely on a sinful way of reacting to our problems or the stresses that can be caused by other people. Because of his empowering presence, we can exhibit things like self-control and a sober mind. We don't need to be out of control. We don't need to be spiteful. We don't need to be erratic people because the Holy Spirit is now guiding our temperament. Even when people and circumstances are stressing us out, we don't need to fly off the handle because we have the help we need living within us. Now, in this passage, Peter encourages the church to remember that the end of all things is at hand. And what he means by this is that Jesus could return at any moment. We don't know how much time we have. But compared to the span of eternity, it isn't much. So that being the case, we're called to live under the control of the Holy Spirit so that our prayer life will be sincere, regular, and disciplined. 
Practically speaking, I take this to mean that we'll be praying for the Lord's help and intervention in our lives. We'll be praying for the Lord's help and intervention in the lives of those we love and the lives of those who have the capacity to test our faith and test our patience. If our manner of thinking is being led and controlled by the Holy Spirit, these are priorities that he will bring to our minds and he will bear these things out in our actions. So that's one of the principles that Peter brings up in this portion of Scripture. Another way that he encourages us to live an others-centered life in the midst of a, of a self-centered world is to show Christ-like love to your Christian family. Look at what he says in verse 8. He says it this way, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Sometimes when I think about the earliest Christians, I find myself picturing a group of people that were amazingly pious. I envision people that got along perfectly, people that didn't fight over trivial things, people that had the habit of placing each other's needs above their own. But when we look at the various letters that are addressed to local congregations throughout the New Testament, we're shown that they were people just like we are. They struggled with the same things we struggle with. They faced stress, and they faced personality differences just like we do. And for that reason, Peter encouraged them to love one another earnestly. Now, in saying this, he wasn't just telling believers to be affectionate toward one another. He was stressing the importance of loving one another in a Christ-like manner. What does Christ-like love look like? Christ-like love involves actively seeking what is best for someone else, even at great personal cost to yourself. It's a love that isn't dependent on whether or not someone loves you back. It's also a love that isn't dependent on whether or not someone has sinned against you. In fact, Christ-like love isn't accusatory in nature. It isn't focused on bringing up another person's shortcomings or mistakes. It's the kind of love that's effective in overlooking offenses and not making a habit of thinking about them. That's the kind of love we've been shown in Jesus. He loved us and took our sins upon himself so they wouldn't be held against us any longer. He covers us with his righteousness, and he removes the stain of our sin. I like what we're told in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all sin. As recipients of this kind of love, we're called to interact with one another in such a way that the love we show toward each other actively testifies to the kind of love we're grateful that we've received from Jesus. A third thing that Peter brings up in this passage that shows us what it's like to live an others-centered life in the midst of a self-centered world is this. Consider service a privilege, not an inconvenience. Look at what he says in verse 9 down to the first part of verse 11. It says this, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. 
whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Hospitality is wonderful to receive and sometimes very difficult to share. This weekend, we enjoyed a nice dinner with my extended family. It was organized by my sisters, and it was hosted at my father's church. We enjoyed it, and we'll be doing something similar uh, in just a few days as my family hosts my wife's extended family for Thanksgiving. Several years ago, a very bad ice storm hit our area. And during that time, friends of ours lost power, and because they lost power, they were also without heat. They weren't able to heat their home for a couple days. But thankfully, our heat was still working fine. So we invited them to stay with us for a couple days until the power was restored. And all that sounds wonderful and great. Having dinners together, uh, sharing a home together, all those things sound wonderful. But let's be honest. Hospitality is easier to show in short spurts than it is for an extended period of time. That's why we're encouraged to show hospitality without grumbling and complaining about it, because the truth is, if you show hospitality to people, you can expect them to do people things. And what I mean by that is this, your house is going to get dirty quicker. Things might get broken or used up. Your ability to experience privacy or quiet is going to be interrupted if you choose to show hospitality. And somehow, as believers in Jesus Christ, we've got to learn to be okay with that. That's, that's something that we've got to be okay with. I'll be honest with you, I've come to consider the dining room or the kitchen table in the home of a believer to be one of the most impactful locations for ministry. When you open your home to others and when you break bread together, You'll be given opportunities to engage in meaningful conversation, mutual encouragement, and sincere prayer. I have regularly been amazed and blessed to see the work that the Lord has accomplished around our very own dining table when we've chosen to obey His directive to show hospitality to others. As an extension of a spirit of hospitality, we're likewise invited to use the strength and the gifts that the Lord has blessed us with to serve one another. We can serve one another with an encouraging word or with wise counsel. We can serve one another in physical ways as well by helping out with various needs that arise in day-to-day life. The point is that since we have been graciously served by Jesus— we should consider it a privilege, not an inconvenience, to serve one another. Jesus set the standard. We're following in his example and utilizing his power. One other way that this scripture points out that we can live an other-centered life in the midst of a self-centered world is to remember that the goal of your life, the goal of our lives, is to give God glory. Look at the second half of verse 11. It says this, In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Motives are important. As this paragraph of 1 Peter 4 concludes, you have Peter reminding us of the motive that should govern the way in which we live our lives on this earth. We're taught in this passage that the goal of our life shouldn't be self-glorification, 
but that God would be given glory through the work he accomplishes through those who have been redeemed through Jesus Christ. The testimony of your life and my life might be the very thing the Lord uses to help someone else grasp the depth and the reality of the life-changing power of Christ. I want to give you two examples from history that show that there are some people that understand that the point of our lives is to give God glory. First is a quote from St. Francis de Sales, and this is what he said. Some men become proud and insolent because they ride on a fine horse, wear a feather in their hat, or are dressed in a fine suit of clothes. Who does not see the folly of this? There be any glory in such things. The glory belongs to the horse, the bird, and the tailor. Johann Sebastian Bach said this, All music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Where this is not remembered, there is no real music, but only a devilish hubbub. And if you look at the way he headed his compositions, there would be the letters J.J., so they'd both be capitalized, and it actually stood for Jesus Juva, which means Jesus, help me. And at the end of those compositions, there'd be the initials S.D.G. And what that stood for was this, Soli de Gratia, which means to God alone the praise. Have you ever taken the time to analyze what your primary motivation in life happens to be? What drives you to do what you do? What fires you up more than anything else? For some people, I imagine that their greatest motivation is fear. Maybe they're motivated by a fear of the consequences of not getting something done, or they're fearful of their reputation being damaged in some way. For others, I imagine their greatest motivation is the well-being of their family. That's a good form of motivation, but there's an even higher form of motivation that includes the care of one's family as a byproduct. If our greatest motivation is to glorify God, we'll honor Him with faith that becomes expressed in obedience. We won't live a self-centered life because that doesn't glorify Him. We won't neglect our families because... That doesn't glorify him. We won't continually fly off the handle because, again, that doesn't glorify him. We will, however, serve one another, show Christ-like love, and offer hospitality because that does glorify him. And if we begin to drift back towards selfishness, we'll repent because our repentance glorifies him. It's safe to confess our sins to him. It's safe to turn from our sin. It's a relief to cast our cares on Jesus because Jesus cares for us. The Lord seeks to be glorified in our lives as he inspires us to adopt his others-centered perspective and approach. And as we finish up today, I want to read just one more portion of Scripture, and that's this. From 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, this is what we read. So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, Do all to the glory of God. Let's pray. 
Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the privilege that you have given us to look at this brief portion of Scripture today. Lord, we're grateful to have access to it. We're grateful to have the privilege to be able to read it and study it together and meditate on its content. We're grateful that through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, we are empowered to obey you. We're likewise empowered to live an others-centered life in the midst of this world that is quite self-centered. Lord, we recognize that in this world that it's easier to live for ourselves than it is to live for you. And many people on this earth choose to live that way. Many people on this earth choose to prioritize their own needs over the needs of those that they should care about. But Lord, you've granted us a different perspective. As men and women who have been rescued and redeemed through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, we're invited to model and live out the mindset of Christ in the way we interact with one another. So Lord, help us to do that, not in our own strength and not in our own power and not in our own wisdom, but in the power and strength and wisdom that you supply. Lord, we're grateful for your love. We're grateful for the privilege to walk with you today, and we're grateful for all of your blessings. We commit this day to your care, and we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Informal Bible Study. As I mentioned at the start of this episode, be sure to stop by our website. We love to give away free resources, and right now we have Desire Jesus Volume 9, a 30-day devotional available for free download right on our website. So visit desirejesus.com and grab a copy of that today. And again, if you'd like to contribute toward the crowdfunding of our podcast, which helps us underwrite the cost of hosting and production, there are links to do that in this episode's description. There's also links to do that right on our website, and we're grateful for any help that you're able to give us as we seek to continue this ministry week by week. So that's it for us today. Thanks again for listening. We hope you have a great day and a great week, and we look forward to getting together again with you right here next Monday. Take care. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, Do you trust me? Because together we can do this. With Mornings with Jesus, you can start your day in a positive way. Find hope through inspirational stories and scripture. Go to lifeaudio.com or search your favorite podcast app for Mornings with Jesus. You can also download the Abide app for biblical meditations at abide.com.